Hello, my name's Phil Bates, here with you through till four o'clock this afternoon, but uh, more importantly, here until half past one, David Peterson from All's End Community Nurseries to answer all of those important gardening questions. Good morning, good afternoon, David. <laughs> Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. My goodness, you'd think after what, 11 years yes, or so, I'd be yes. used to being on in the afternoon. <laughs> well, yeah, a um, little bit of summer there over the weekend. but Just a um, little bit, and uh, as you say, we're back to the rain this afternoon. Yes, yeah, but not the cold weather, so that's... That's well, something at least. I suppose that's one good thing, Phil. One day there last week, I, <laughs> I, I kid you not, David, I had the same clothes on that I have on a winter's day. Yeah, I could quite believe that. And I'm saying to myself, here it is, early it's, early February. You were thinking there was something wrong with you. Yeah, but um, it no, wasn't. It wasn't. Everyone I, I looked around me. Day. Everyone was doing the same <laughs> thing. And the garden's very confused oh, goodness at, me, at the yes. moment. As and to, bugs. Phil, oh, there's bugs everywhere. Look, bugs. It's bug heaven I out know, there at incredible. the moment. I know, it's incredible. i got caterpillars. I've got yep. rusts. I've got moulds. I've got mites. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got scales. I've got... Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Phil, you need to do something about that. I'm doing something about it all the time, but I can't keep up with it, David, no, even no. in my small garden. Yep. What must people be doing exactly. who have got large gardens? Yes. Well, that's exactly what we're here to help you with, or at least David's here to help you with. The number to ring, 49216216. Write it down. It'll be important at some stage between now and half past one, 49216216, and we'll get you through to David. Um, of course, um, two things happen when you ring up. If you would like to be in the draw for two in URFM's gardening walkback, you need to give your details to Diane when you ring up, and uh, she'll make sure your name goes into the draw. And of course, David, later on in the program, yes. we need to do the draw for I've December and January. Good, very good. And the other thing is, you go in the draw, chosen at the end of the program by David himself to be the recipients of these wonderful things that David's got on the, the bench here that he's giving away, including a beautiful native plant, David, which I'm pleased to see. Tell us all I about it. I see your eyes light up when I uncovered it today, Phil. Yep. So, yes, it is a little um, native plant that I've brought in today. I actually haven't had this in the nursery before. It's quite a pretty little grevillea. It's called Pink Midget, and it is exactly that. It is a little uh, ground cover. Oh, not a ground cover. It's more of a, just a small little uh, native... I'm getting confused now, a little <laughs> native uh, bush grevillea, that's it, yes, yep. uh, which comes out in these tiny little pink flowers, and without my glasses on, it looks very, very fuzzy, the flower, but it's quite a pretty little flower. Yeah, it's one of those spider-shaped yes, flowers. Yes, that's right, yes, yeah. <laughs> and the foliage is a really nice uh, limey green colour, so it is quite a pretty little grevillea to just add to a nice, sunny, well-drained spot in the garden. As well as I've got something different to give away today. Uh, these are supplied by Debco, which is a very large company of ours. Um, it's actually a kids' harvest pack, and basically what it consists of, it's a bag and it's got, um, it's full of goodies, of course, as always. It contains a bag of the seed-raising mixture, it contains seeds, it contains some trays to grow your seed in, and an information leaflet as well. So that's all within this one pack that I'm giving away today. So I'm giving that away of course, with the plant. And as Phil said, right at the end of the program is when I do that. Right, so you need to be listening right to the very end at half past one if you want to know whether or not you're the recipient of those wonderful things. Okay, um, 16 minutes past 12. David, do we need to do anything else before we get I started? Don't think so. No, I think this is the time where we press the button and uh, we say hello to Colleen from Cessnock. Hello, Colleen. 
Hello, guardian angel of the garden. <laughs> How are you? Uh, oh, you don't want to know. No, no, That's, but you're... We you're talk fe- about other things. Yes, you're feeling good. Uh, oh. Well, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sweetheart, I've got a problem with my um, pencil pine. Yes. It's the yellow one. Mm-hmm, the I've golden got, pencil? The golden one. Mm-hmm. I've got several in my yard, but one up the back... Is dying from the top. Okay. Now, and about, oh, I suppose about uh, 12 foot away, the Valencia orange is dying. Mm-hmm. And next door, their uh, uh, navel orange has died. Okay. All right, well, it just sounds like there there may be a type of fungal disease because sometimes when you get things dying one after the other, and particularly when they're in fairly close proximity to one another it can be something that spreads in the soil and it can be a fungal disease Colin have you got somebody that can actually cut these dead sections out of these trees for you well it's about 80 foot high oh I see okay so it's going to be a little more (laughs) difficult all right well we might probably might be best to try and treat uh, around the plant if we possibly can I mean sometimes if you treat the ground just with a fungicide spray it will actually cure it uh, particularly at the moment where the ground is fairly moist it's probably going to be a lot easier to actually apply this product down into the ground because it's got to soak down in around the plant next yeah. to the root system could it be excess water well it could be excess water of course in Cessnock it is a fairly low-ish area and sometimes the soil up there is not terribly good it's fairly clay which of course once wet can hold a lot of moisture And in the case of the citrus, yes, they don't like this, so they really need to dry out between their waterings. But at the same time, it's probably a good idea, if you you possibly can, to treat the ground just with a fungicide. Something like uh, Fungrid is one of the better ones to use. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is another one you can actually spray onto the foliage, which is... uh, uh, and a, a fossad uh, sort of um, fungicide that you can spray on. But I, I tend to favour the ones that you just water in around the plants, and that's well, sometimes... Well, I haven't got Jack the Beanstalk living with me... Oh, OK. He'd never be able to get... I would never be able to get up and spray the dangerous part. But <laughs> um, the water from my house mm. goes in a pit in the backyard. Oh, yes. And so it does next door. Right. With all this rain... It's overflowing. Yes. Mm. And I'm thinking it's the water. Yes. So the water, of course, may contain something that obviously may be reacting with the plants as well. So that really needs to just drain through or flush through so that we can get rid of that. And that just requires, I dare say it, more rain to do that. So, um, and that's... (laughs) I think we need more sun to dry it Yes, out. we do. The pit, you can't get it out. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it may be just a matter of waiting and seeing what happens uh, in the next oncoming weeks. All right, then, my dear. Okay. I thank you for your time. Good to talk to you again, Colleen. And same here. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Nice to hear from you again, Colleen. Mm. Um, uh, people are a bit slow off, off, the, uh, off the mark this morning, David. They're, they're probably all just sort of recuperating from a day and a half of summer. Mm. But, uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm recuperating myself here. Uh, 49216216 is the number. Lines are free, as we just said, at the moment. But we do have on the line John, and John's from Adamstown. Hello, John. Good afternoon, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. David, I have a cordyline, a purple sensation. And it's been a mag- it was a magnificent shrub. 
currently I have two large branches to a height of about six foot underneath, uh, under uh, underside, and I have another three uh, smaller branches, about four to five, six uh, underside of the branches. Now, all the all the uh, they have flower branches in, still in place. There's still flower branches still in place, and all the branches have produced masses of flowers. It's been absolutely magnificent. Now, I'm getting to the stage of, of, of wanting to uh, try to establish: um, Do I when do I, when can I prune these, or can I prune these because they'll eventually go to the sky, and I don't want that to happen. But I remember listening to one of your programs before and I thought you made some mention about these cordylines that you can prune them and cut them off at a certain level and they'll come back again. So that's really the purpose of my call to determine if and when uh, I should uh, proceed to, to prune or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay then, well yes, certainly once the flowers are finished you can actually prune them back. You can either, first of all, prune the flower off or you can actually prune it down into the hard stem. Now, yes, with all cordylines, they will reshoot out of the hard-stemmed areas, but doing it at this time of the year, it may be a little bit slow in doing so because we generally do that in the very, very beginning of the spring so that we've got the whole of the season for them to grow back in. By doing them now, it does actually probably stop them to a degree, but then they will get a little bit of growth, but you may not notice any great signs of growth until next season once It doesn't again. worry me because okay. I'm going to refurbish the garden and mm-hmm. I thought, well, if I had to do something uh, at this point in time, well, I could do it now, but I'll refurbish I can just leave it and refurbish the garden and just, just prune it in early spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as I said, it, it can be done now. It's not going to affect the plant. The plant is not going to die. It'll just put its energy into producing more growth from lower down. Now, you can cut these stems down as far as you want to. It doesn't really matter what sort of height you leave there. Uh, the further the down, the better, because that way they'll bush up from fairly low down. But, yes, certainly you could do them now. Otherwise, wait until spring and give them a good severe prune. So what, would you take them back down to about a metre? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then they'll reshoot out of that lower section. And in some cases, they actually shoot from the root system again and give you a much fuller plant. But more than likely, you'll get some shoots out of those firm stems that are left there. And what's the prognosis? Am I likely to get branches again with flowers? Uh, you should do, now that it has actually started flowering. And the thing is, you won't just have one central trunk. You'll have a multi- multitude of trunks that will bush out from the ground. So in actual fact, it will look far bushier than the old original plant. Yeah. Well, obviously, so I've got five branches coming out of, out of the base now. Well, and, well, uh, we'll become very thick then in that case. Yeah. All right, that sounds great. Right. What's the possible life expectancy of a good... Uh, Cordyline. I know that's a bit like how long's a piece of string. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly right. I mean, I think the more you prune them back and encourage more growth, the longer the plant's going to live for you. Well, that's tremendous. Thank you, David. You're welcome, John. Thank you kindly. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Uh, 24 minutes past 12 on Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. And we say now hello to John from Gateshead. Hello, John. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, look, mate, I'd be the worst bloody gardener around. <laughs> I've always said the only thing I could grow is weeds and mandarines, but the mandarine tree seems to be let me down a bit. There's mm-hmm. a lot of mandarines falling off it. 
Okay. It lacking something? Or? Well, it's probably not lacking something. Once again, Gateshead is a fairly low area, and because we've had a considerable amount of rain, this will affect our citrus extremely badly because they don't like to be waterlogged. Well, certainly when we don't get days of sun and we get days of rain, that will affect them extremely badly. So I would say that probably is the main cause of the fruit falling off. It's just become waterlogged. Tell me, John, are the mandarins ripe when they're falling off? No, no, okay. they're only young ones yeah. and they're only just green yes alright so there's not a great deal I can suggest to accept probably just to um, treat it with some sea salt that basically will just strengthen the root system through all the wet weather that we've had because if as long as we still get rain the ground's going to stay wet and that's exactly what they don't want they need the ground to dry out between their waterings uh, so it's not me. It's not you at all, no. I, believe me, it's happening in a lot of areas, particularly with fruit trees, um, and pests and diseases are another thing that, of course, they're around at the moment as well. Yeah, with I, all the... I always keep a couple of bait things in the yes. tree, you know. Yes. And, uh, I mean, it's always, for years, it's always been a beautiful mandarin mm. tree, uh, I think the neighbours get sick of eating it. <laughs> um... No, I think it's just basically through all the wet weather that we've had and why you're getting this problem. Ah, oh, well, that's... So it's, that's good to know it's not my eye. That's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. thanks a lot. You're that. welcome, John. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you, John, to Mulbring next, and we say hello to Margaret. Hello, Margaret. Hello there. How are you, good. David? Thank oh. you. You're just going to your radio, are you? Yes, I've just Thank turned you. to <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what can I do for you? Um, I have a passion fruit vine, yes. which I don't know much. I'm not a gardener. <laughs> All these people keep telling me they're not gardeners and yet they've got things growing. Well, I had a, I had a passion fruit and it went all over my veranda mm-hmm. and somebody pulled it out. Oh, okay. And um, I had a passion fruit vine at one end and, and a passion fruit vine at the other. And and it was foreign. It came out of my compost, oh, yes, to be quite yes. truthful. But I did get fruit off it. But anyway, this is what I'm ringing up about. Since then... Somebody's planted three passion fruits. Mm-hmm. Two passion fruits of um, they are Pan- Panama red, a uh, mm-hmm. Panama gold. Yes. And the one that I'm ringing about is a Nelly Kelly. Mm-hmm. Now I have a lot of flowers coming out on it, and they come out, but I they disappear. Okay. When they disappear, they're not falling on the veranda. They're not on the ground. So I think the birds are pinching. Oh, okay. Yes. So I've. I've bought a net and I've even tried covering them up mm-hmm. but they close up on me and then they don't seem to um, open again okay. now I don't know much as I said much about gardening and that well, let's see if we can fix that up for you. First of all, with passion fruit, they require a constant temperature, which means that they require a day and night temperatures not to fall and rise too much. Oh, and of oh, course, well, it is. That's right. So we've actually had a lot of that happening this season, with our temperatures mm. going so high and then all of a sudden falling too low. And this does affect a lot of our tropical things, including our passion fruits. So it's probably not the case that there may not be anything lacking within the soil. 
it may be just the weather conditions. And we always find with passion fruit, they'll flower in the early parts of spring when it's fairly mild and set a crop. And then they sometimes won't do anything for the whole of the summer months, even though they're a tropical plant. It's just because our temperatures fluctuate so much. And then all of a sudden in the autumn, when it just starts to cool down, they'll flower and fruit again. So I wouldn't worry too much about that at all, Margaret, because I would say it's just because of the conditions that we've had. But certainly in the case of passion fruit, that anyone that's got passion fruit growing, I always suggest to pop some potash around them because potash is actually a flower and fruit producer. So therefore, if you haven't got any potash, I would suggest that you try and get hold of some of that. You can buy it now as a liquid, which you can apply around the root system once every couple of weeks. And that just puts the potash directly in contact with the root system very fast, so it gives a much better reaction. You've got a bamboo chime in the background there. Yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Some people don't like them, but I do. Yes. I like. I don't mind the noise of them. Sorry. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, all right. So it should, it's, it's growing massively. Well, that's good. I mean, that's a very good sign. Been, it's only been in there since before Christmas. Yes. When do I expect to get fruit from it? Yeah, well, you probably won't get a great deal of fruit or flowers now until the autumn months, unless our weather sort of sorts itself, itself self out. And you may get another flush of flowers, but I'd say possibly not until autumn time now. But certainly try the potash, and you yeah. may be very lucky to actually get a flush of flowers on Well, them. I've got a lot of flowers on it But now. they're not coming out? Yeah, they're out. Yes. Oh, they're, they're out. They're, they're really... They come out, and then they seem to close. Oh, okay. All right. So what happens when they close? Yes, well, that's because of the, the temperature dropping. They don't like that temperature dropping too far. But as oh, I said, okay. you can get this potash, liquid potash, which yeah. I would strongly suggest that you try, and that may help them. Yeah. All right? All right. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Margaret. Yeah, those bamboo chimes sounded lovely and, yes. and some birds in there as well. Yes. Yeah, always nice. But, uh, let's get back to the calls and say hello to Bill from Arcadia Vale. Hello, Bill. Hello, David. Uh, David, I guess you've been asked this question before. It's it's a weed in my lawn that I'm having trouble with. It's choking the uh, Kaikyu out. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a flat mat that... Um, it seems to just choke everything out around it. It's a bit furry, is it, Bill, the, the weed? Looks a bit furry, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, and it gets a little seed capsule or flower in the centre, which becomes just a little bit of a hard mass of little seeds. That's it. Yes, well, that's called cudweed. It's a very common weed that we often get in the lawn. You'll probably find sometimes it's a little more difficult to get rid of because it seeds so readily and because it's got that furry covering on it, sometimes a lot of the products don't work their way through to it fairly easily. But certainly Bindi is recommended for it. You'll find it will be listed on the Bindi recommendations. So it's just a matter of... um, Particularly at this time of the year, if you've just only got spots of it in the lawn, is just to mix up a small quantity and just spot weed the lawn uh, with that. Now, remembering most of these chemicals, they require at least six hours of good drying time, so just keep an eye on the weather uh, because it will need at least that good six hours for it to uh, be consumed by the weed and start working. Uh-huh. And uh, what strengths would you use that? Yes, just use it according to directions. You must always use any of your chemicals according to directions, otherwise sometimes they don't work for you. Mm. All right. Okay. I'll give it a go. Very Thank good. You, David. Thank you very much, Bill. Good. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thanks very much, Bill. Um, next up, it's uh, Diane from Bellbird. Hello, Diane. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, David, I'm ringing. We've got a couple of uh, Geraldton wax planted in our backyard. Mm-hmm. And do you have to prune them to keep them in a good shape? And when do you have to do it? Okay. Well, normally you'll find with Geraldton wax, they normally flower around Christmas time. And normally after they finish blooming, you can give them a very light trim. And I do stress that word very, very well because it, it has to be light. If you prune Geraldton wax too severely, they'll just curl up their toes and die very, very quickly. So, oh, so they just have to be pruned Just lightly. very lightly. So it's basically just like taking the old flowers off and that is all because they don't like to be pruned too heavily. So they obviously have flowered for you because, as I said, they flower around Christmas time. So they, I can't remember. Did they have flowers on them? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just asking my husband. <laughs> okay, so you can give them a very, very light trim just at the moment if you feel you want to. But look, certainly with Geraldton wax, if it, stay, if it looks good and you don't feel you need to prune it, don't prune it at all. Oh, all right, thank you. Now, another, another little question. I bought two of the um, two geraniums before Christmas at mm-hmm. your shop. Yes. And one took off like anything. It's growing beautiful and the other one died. Okay. Well, just be very, very careful with geraniums because, once again, they hate all this wet weather. The geraniums like a very dry position. In more, in, in more ways than one, they like it dry and hot. Uh, so if it, they got a little bit too wet, sometimes they will just curl up their toes and die. I've got them in pots. Yes, yeah, so just be careful when you've got them in pots that you don't tend to overwater them or water them too much. They do really like to be uh, dried out between each watering. Uh, very well, I'll All do right. that. All right. All right, thank you. Thank you, Diane. Bye-bye. Thank you, David. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Diane. Um, yeah, a, a friend uh, just yesterday actually was extolling the virtues of uh, geraniums as as really tough plants that yes. we were walking through a native garden at the time. Geraniums, he said, were were uh, really tough plants that weren't going to weren't going to die, or the, he, he could strike it. Well, see, with all the weather that we've had of late, yes, they wow. absolutely hate this sort of weather, and of course, with also with geraniums, they get fungal diseases due to mm. the wet, humid weather. So, of course, the leaves go brown and they get rust on them and all sorts of things. So the drier and the sunnier, the better. That's right. You, you see them growing in those window boxes yep. in, in Greece and yes. all those southern European places. It's funny so, whenever geraniums mentions, that's the first picture yeah, we come up that, with. That's right. Those. Yeah, so, um, yeah, as you say, the the wet weather, yep. just terrible for them. Mm. Okay, um, Charlie from East Maitland is waiting on the line now, David. Hello, Charlie. Uh, yeah, good day. Uh, David, how are you? Good, thank you. Oh, that's good. Look, um, we bought a Alexander palm about a month or so ago, and we, we bought it for, as an indoor plant, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about two metres high. We've got it in a pot in the, in the living room, in the lounge room. Uh, but we've noticed in the last uh, week or so that the, the tips of the leaves are going brown uh, at the very top of the plant and... and about halfway down. Mm-hmm. We're just wondering what if it's a humidity or whether it needs more sunlight or what, what the problem is. Well, it may not be anything at all because you'll probably find when palms are put inside, this is something that often happens to them, the tips tend to go brown because quite often a lot of the moisture drains to, the, because of the humidity, a lot of the moisture drains to the ends of the leaves and it does cause a little bit of a browning on the ends of the foliage. So, as I said, it may not be anything at all except for 
for it being inside. Sometimes with these palms, if you can just pop them outside occasionally to just bring them back to life, so to speak, just put them in a very shady spot, they will come back to life very, very quickly. And then you can just move them back inside again. But look, it is very common for that to happen to any variety of palm when it's placed inside. I see. Uh, I actually... Uh trimmed a bit of the some of those brown leaves mm-hmm. off. So I hope that, hope that wasn't the wrong thing to do. Well, look, sometimes uh, well, I get asked this question quite often, and the thing is, once you've trimmed the end off that does have the brown, you'll probably find another brown end will occur. So, <laughs> And I can guarantee that will happen. So basically, it's always just the end. Quite often, it doesn't go any further. It is a good idea, particularly if the Alexander palm is quite large in a reasonably small pot, to keep the moisture up to it as much as you possibly can, uh, because that is a must, because once again, if it dries out fairly regularly, it will go under stress, and this is when you'll get even more of the ends of the leaves going brown. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Bye for now. Okay, thank you, Charlie. Um, Jeff from Fern Bay is next, David. Hello, Jeff. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, I've got a problem with a creeper. Yes. Um, we used to call it, when we were kids, uh, morning glories. It covers everything. Uh, a green leafy thing with a purpley coloured flower. That's it. It grows over fences. It yes. covers everything in its path. That's right. That's exactly what it is. Right. Um, what's the best way to get rid of that, David? <laughs> I think I made this lawn down at Stockton. And I think it's starting in the property behind. Okay. Um, so what's the situation to kill it off? Well, the only, the only way really to kill it off, first of all, is to try and eradicate it by hand to get rid of the majority of the plant. And then when it starts to reshoot again, if you didn't want to use very, very harsh products, the safest one to use without harming the ground, particularly if there's other things growing in the area, is one of your glyphosate products. So that could be zero or roundup and just to spray the young foliage when it appears because that consumes the product very quickly and takes it down into the plant. Now, of course, yes, there are stronger products, but then when you go using stronger products, they will affect the soil. So therefore, they may actually run in the soil and affect other plants that may be in the area. So that's why I always tend to like to suggest the glyphosate because it doesn't harm the soil. And so long as you just keep spraying it on the young foliage when it appears, because if you spray it, you'll find it'll die back because of the glyphosate working but then all of a sudden you may get some more new growth so you've got to actually treat that as well and just continually treat the young new growth when it appears right um because i think it's coming from the property behind Mm -hmm. so as it comes over the fence i just spray it as it comes over the fence i think it's but I think that's all you can do, and that's yeah. because you basically you can't get at the, the main problem, which is the root system. Yeah. I mean, if you can get, of course, at the main area and just cut it off at the root system, you'll find that the plant will shrivel up and die, but then it's always going to reshoot back again. So this is when you spray the young foliage to try and get that product into the young foliage because that consumes it much quicker than the adult foliage. Yeah, I'll let the lawn grow. Um, oh, no, that's six weeks mm-hmm. before I could get at it and it was in all that humid oh, moist goodness, weather yes. and when I finally <laughs> got the lawn mowed <coughs> um, there's strong uh, creepers all through the grass yes, area. Yes, I know? could quite believe like it. Like a yes, vine, you yes, know. Yes. So, okay, well I'll use that, Dave. I'll give it a go. Very good. And uh, thank you very much for that. My pleasure. 
Thank you. Bye-bye, Jeff. Bye. Thank you, Jeff. Sounds like he's got a bit of a job there. It's a terrible plant. Yeah. I see it coming to work sometimes of a morning between, mm. I think it's Shortland, uh, Sandgate and Walls End on that link road. You'll often see uh, it near the yep. golf club there, mm. uh, covering everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> And this weather is just, they're they're in heaven. But let's say hello now to Jenny from Spears Point. Hello, Jenny. Good good afternoon, David. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you loving our weather? Beautiful. It's been a lovely summer, hasn't it? (laughs) Hasn't it just, yes. (laughs) If you could call it summer. That's right. Um, And I'm thinking it's probably the reason that that I'm ringing you is probably the weather and not much we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, To start with, I have a beautiful clippy of us just come out in the last couple of days. Really? (laughs) (laughs) So he doesn't know what time no, it is. Either. Exactly. Um, but apart from that, my mandarin. I heard in the car. I heard you talking to another chap who's got a problem, but I didn't catch the full story. Mm-hmm. But I've had beautiful mandarins off it every year. This year, I haven't had much in the way of flowers at all. I'm probably going to be lucky to get a dozen mandarins. Mm-hmm. But I noticed in the last few days, I've got curling leaf. Okay. What do I do with that? All right. Well, this is very, very common this year, particularly with our hot, humid weather that we've been getting. It is just citrus leaf miner. It is a little insect that only attacks the young foliage. You'll find it never goes into the adult foliage. Okay. So, Jenny, the only uh, recommendation there is just to go over the tree and just shear all the the young foliage off. That way it's probably shaping the tree at the same time. But make sure you collect all these leaves up, put them into a bag, seal it and throw it away because so that's just full of insects, yes. Yeah. And then you must spray the tree with some pest oil um, yeah. and then you must repeat this application again in 14 days and then once again in 14 days. So you try and break the life cycle of this little okay. insect that yeah. causes the damage. Make sure you get a lot of the little, yes. little darlings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've had, I don't know, I haven't had blossoms on most of the tree, and I don't know whether that's the weather. I would say, yeah, I look, I, I certainly would say, agree with you. It would be the weather that's yeah. causing this because everything is upside back to oh, front. Nothing and, knows what time Yes, that's right. Now, so. I did leave the mandarins on a little bit longer last season than I normally do, and I didn't know whether that might have had something to do with it, but then I no. thought this weather's just crazy. I would say it's just the weather in general that's causing all these problems. Oh, that's that problem sorted then. Mm. Tomatoes. Yes. And I was listening last week at the people complaining about their tomatoes and thinking, oh, mine have, I've been really lucky. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you, never know, you never speak too soon. I don't know what's eating them. I okay. have used the, the magic pineapple spray, yes. but it was hard keeping it on this year because it yes, was wash off rain, it. Yes, the rain, that's right. <laughs> so then I put a bait in, in the, out in the garden. Mm-hmm. I sort of think if, it, if it's the fruit fly, and I don't think it was fruit fly. It seemed to be a little black insect. Okay. What, what's, what was happening to the fruit? Eating great chunks out of it. Oh, okay. Great chunks. Well, I mean, yeah, it, well, well, it wasn't great, but, you know, by the time I'd reach in, I'd say, oh, that's a nice right when I'd put my hand in to get it and I'd put my finger into a yucky hole. Yes, okay. My neighbour seemed to think that it was the bats. Yes, well, I mean, certainly um, bats would be one thing or possums are another thing. Rodents are another thing that often attacks tomatoes that I've heard. So it could be any type of um, animal or bird. We haven't had a problem like it before. And I thought, well, the weather can't be... No, no, no. It would, it would have to be something. <laughs> Certainly you could try just using um, a net or something like that over yeah, your tomatoes. Yeah, uh, so I thought yes. maybe I'd 
it's just about finished. Yes. But, and I was going to put some more in. I thought, well, if I'm going to put some more in, I need to know what's causing yes. it so I can... Yes, you know, now certainly netting is probably by far the easiest with tomatoes because you can just buy a piece of netting and just drape it yeah, over your tomatoes. Probably going to be the most effective at this stage, yes. isn't it? Yes, yes. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome, Jenny. Well, the other lady called you a lifesaver. Well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. No worries. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Thank you, Jenny. Um, on the line next, it's Rob. Rob's from New Lambton. Hello, Rob. Hello, David. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Mate, good. Uh, question, please. Agapanthers, when mm. the flowers die off, can you plant the seed pods? Well, you can, but I mean, look, there's, there's usually no need to because we've got agapanthus. They're usually uh, divided, and that's how you get more agapanthus out. But if you wanted just to try a little experiment, certainly it doesn't hurt to plant the seed, but you've got to wait until that seed is mature on the plant. You can't pick it when it's green because you've got to wait for the seeds to go brown, for the seeds to be formed. Fully formed inside. Well, there you go. Okay, then. Thanks right. for your help. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Oh, Rob was um, easily fixed there. Um, let's see. Next on the line, it's Irene from Maitland. Hello, Irene. Oh, how are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, we've got grapevines down at Balcolin yes. on Morissette Peninsula. Now, I've been getting varying advice on them. Mm-hmm. Um, because they've, they've never all um, ripened at the same time, the bunches, you know. You'll yes. get some ripe and some still green, and then by the time the others ripen, the others have died off. But we also had a problem with birds. Um, we have covered them over since, like, uh, you know. Netting, yes. Yeah, with the netting, yes. And um, But they, they're still, uh, what's happening, they're just sort of falling off. Okay. Um, somebody told me that it was to use sea silent and somebody else said, look, no, don't worry, just you know, cover them with the netting. But mm-hmm. Well, look, I tell you what, Irene, there is a problem normally with grapevines as well, and it's due to all this weather that we're getting at the yeah, moment. There, it could be, there is yeah. a fungal disease that often gets onto the grapes, and it just right. causes the grapes to just go rotten and just shrivel up on the actual vine. Right, yeah, because some of them right up the back, even the leaf itself seems to have a bit of a lot of... A mottling effect? Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So yes. that would be a fungal disease that you've probably had on them. Certainly right. in the case of the grapes, I mean, uh, you know, you may not be able to cure the grapes because normally we start spraying at a really small age yes, as far right. as the grapes themselves. Right. But certainly you could spray to prevent the disease from the foliage going any further. Right. Um, so you just basically need some mancozeb, which you'll mix up according to directions and spray right. over your grapevines. Certainly if there's more grapes coming and there are only still small bunches or smaller yes. grapes, you may cure those from getting the fungal disease. Uh, mm-hmm. So you'll still get a late crop out of them. Great. Now, what would you suggest then early in the season to spray Just them with? Mancozeb again. That's oh, the, probably you. the best one to use because yeah. it will prevent the fungal diseases from occurring on your grapevines. Good. Mancozeb. Mancozeb, that's right, Good. yes. Thank you very, very much for that. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Irene. With the time at uh, four minutes to one, news coming up at one o'clock, we'll say a quick uh, g'day to Harry from Abermain. Hello, Harry. Good afternoon, David and Phil. G'day, Harry. Just getting back to your problem with Morning Glory. Yes. The name of the product that you use to spray it with, G-L-Y-P-H-O-S-A-T-E, is that correct? I'm just right. Glyphosate, yes, that's right. Yeah. Two questions. Is Morning Glory a noxious weed? Yes. I thought it might have been. Secondly, that product 
that uh, you spray it with, is that harmful to cats or dogs? Well, it's not normally when the product dries, but certainly when it's still wet, you'd have to be careful that they don't get it onto them because it is a chemical, but certainly once it's dry, it's working within the plant and there shouldn't be any residue there. Oh, that's good news. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome, Harry. Okay. Nice to talk to you, you too. both again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Goodbye Bye -bye for now. now. Thanks, Harry. Um, yeah, a little bit of a problem with a the line there, but Harry's always got interesting things yes. to say. Uh, um, David, we've got a couple of minutes till the news. Uh, do you want to um, just run through some things for us? Maybe, you know, are, are there any general things we can do about all this, you know, uh, humidity and fungus and moulds and rust. Besides getting rid and, of the humidity, you mean? Yeah, yeah, besides bringing in a huge air conditioner or something like that. Well, look, certainly there is. I mean, we've, we've basically mentioned about spraying our gardens with a fungicide spray. I mean, I really think this is a must at the moment because, I mean, when we can, of course, get out and spray with a fungicide. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's right. You duck out. I keep saying we rains. need six hours of good yeah. drying time, but, um, I mean, we could have got out first thing in the morning and, and done it today and of course now the clouds have rolled in we don't know whether it's going to rain or not you're giving us some uh, just scattered showers Phil, yes so. yeah i think think the uh, the weather bureau are having a bed each way <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so if we can just get out periodically and give our gardens a spray particularly our vegetables and things where we really need to keep those protected just some, with some mancozeb and that um, in itself will probably keep a lot of pests, or well, mostly fungal diseases away. Mm, Certainly mm. We've, we've touched on the subject of a lot of insect attack around as well, so even if you went to the trouble of just using a general insecticide in the garden as well, that will keep away some general insects, particularly once again in our vegetable garden. But I mean, I noticed at home, I've got a lot of um, ficus in my, in my undercovered area, and they had sooty mould and scale, and I mean, you know, I've got to try and get those sprayed. I've never mm. had as much trouble with uh, this sort of thing before, but it just spreads from one plant to the other. So yeah, it's basically pests and diseases that we're trying to control at the moment, as well as our grass of course. I mean, make sure you don't let the grass get too long before you consider mowing it. Try and keep that down because it will grow very fast this time of the year, so you really need, you really need to get that under control. Uh, I know, right. I know. <laughs> okay, we'll say hello to Alan from Thornton. Hello Alan. Hello, hello, those. How are you? Good, thank you. That's nice, David. I come from the UK, yes. and I've been trying. To I can't half tell. Pardon? I can't half tell. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. I, I thought I'd disguise that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I've been trying to buy runner beans. Yes. I can't find them anywhere. I've found. Climbing beans. Yes. But I can't find... And I looked at the climbing beans, and they're white. And the the runner beans that I, I used to know used to have a red flower. Well, look, you're in luck there, because you obviously haven't been to the right place, because we have scarlet <laughs> runners at work, when I was hoping you were going to say that. Well, that's what I'll be coming Okay. So, I mean, look, I cannot guarantee that they are on the stand at this very moment because I would have to go and have a look. Well, so I'll ring first. I was just going to say, if you ring the nursery, they could have a look and see whether there was any Scarlet Runners. But there is a company that I now keep seed from that does carry the old Scarlet Runners. Oh, beautiful. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Alan. Thank Bye you. for now. Bye-bye. 
And a successful outcome for Alan there, which is good because he's been waiting on quite a while. Um, let's say hello to Joanne from Curry Curry. Hello, Joanne. Hello, David. Um, I've just recently moved into a unit in Curry, mm-hmm. and it's got a lovely courtyard. But next door, there's this great big tree. It's an old tree, and I wonder if you could tell me the name of it. It's it's got like a round leaf on it, and then from about November, all the leaves fall off, mm-hmm. and then it's got a great big long bean on it, and the bean actually goes brown and really dry and. So tell me what colour the actual leaves are on the tree. Oh, they're like a bit lighter green. Okay. So it might be a rabinia of some description because rabinias have beans on them as well once they finish. Um, They do lose their foliage. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, So, yes, it could be just a rabinia. Oh, okay, because what happens is all these, the beans split open. Yes, and you've got all... And that all fall. And you've got all little ones coming up. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is there's like probably I was sweeping three times a day. Okay. Just with the bean, the bean itself, and yes. now all the little round, um, little beans that it drops, they're all coming up in the little trees. Yes, yes, they will. They will do that, and most things that do form the beans will open, and then that's how they um, spread all their seeds. So, mm. uh, yes, yeah, so it's probably just a rabinia variety that you've got there. All oh, right, and see, then it gets a pink flower, and it all loses the leaves and gets a pink flower and then they all fall. Yes, well, that's the old original green-leafed ribbonia that you've probably got okay. that comes out in the pink flower. Right. Okay, I was just wondering what kind of tree it was. Very good. Well, if you're on the internet, you can look up your ribbonia now. Ribbonia. Yes. All right, thanks, David. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Nice to hear from you, Joanne. Um, Billy's on the line now from Morissette. Hello, Billy. Oh, hello, David. How are you? Um, Last year you gave me some good advice about a philodendron called red wing. Yes. And you said that yours was thriving mm. and maybe I think you said it was outside. Possibly, in yes. shelter, mm. yes. Well, uh, I put mine out under the awning and it's looking really, really good. Actually, it was smiling at me this morning. <laughs> Very oh, good. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's I'm all right. Leave, I'm going to leave it there, but I've got to be careful that we get afternoon sun. Yes, yes. yes. Now, the only other thing I have is a Rex begonia, uh, which is struggling at the moment because I've overwatered it. Oh, yes. Inside. Oh. <laughs> And this one is, it's a very beautiful one. It's a lime green leaf with a brown cross sort of Oh, yes, it. yes. Well, I think that's called iron cross or something, that or particular Maltese one. Yes, cross. yes. Maltese cross. Right. Yeah. Now, can I take it out of the pot and dry it out and repot it? Or, or and then, can I put it outside in a sheltered area? Well, look, I think I'd leave it in the pot that it's in, Billy, because, right. I mean, you're going to disturb it far too much at this time of the oh, year. Okay. So you'll put yeah. it under a great deal of stress. Yeah. If you've got a nice sheltered position outside in the garden, I think possibly that would be the place to put it. Yeah. But, but just be really, really careful if there's more rain coming because you oh. don't want it getting too wet again because yeah. you need it to dry out to try and regain the growth back on it again. Right. Well, now, what about a little bit of feed? No feed yet? Yeah, you can certainly give it uh, one of your liquid fertilisers. That's one that you just mix up every couple of weeks and just give it a little bit of liquid fertiliser. That's lovely. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you, Billy. To Mark's Point next, and May is on the line. Hello, May. Oh, hello. How are you? Good, thank you. Oh, that's good. Um, 
I have to thank you. I had a problem with my um, bird, uh, nest, bird's nest fern. Yes. And uh, you told me this would need shade because I'd yank something else out, you know. And I did that, and it's looking great. Good. That's great to hear. <laughs> that's what I'm it? here for, to solve all these problems. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I'm also happy to tell you that I got a first-year lemon with nine lemons on it, egg-sized. Excellent. Egg-sized. That's very good. Well, I hope it continues in the years to come for you. What I wondered about was uh, you mentioned that it should dry out between watering with yes. lemon. Mm-hmm. And because it's so sandy here in Mark's Point, I had the opinion that every second week I should water it thoroughly, every mm-hmm. two, twice a week. Yes, that's I've fine. Been doing that. Yes, that's good. But when it rains, of course, I... I you wouldn't need to, yes. No, and I've given it citrus food. Good. And... It's looking wonderful. Well, May, that's probably why it's looking so good, because you're giving it um, very good care. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. My other problem is I have uh, an above-ground garden bed. Yes. And I've taken out some cucumbers, which I think the mould got at them. Mm, They did this year. It was a really bad season. Yeah, and they were really good. They were Lebanese ones, and I had good crop. But... Now, I'm wondering whether I need to replenish the soil in that bed or what I should do before I plant something else. Okay. Well, all you really need to do, May, is just add some compost or some uh, manure, some cow manure to the garden. Yes, I've done that. Okay, and just a little bit of garden lime, which will sweeten the soil for you. And can you just get a, that in little packets? Yes, you can get it in little packets. And just a little bit of complete garden food just to just dig that in slightly and it will be ready to go for your next crop. And what should I plant? You're supposed to recycle. Like yep, I well, you're going into all your winter vegetables now. So Brussels yeah. sprouts, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, silver beet. There's onions that can go in now. So there's quite an array of things that you could put in. Yeah, I, I worry about the... Cabbage and college because my gosh, those are moths. The butterflies lay the eggs, yes. <laughs> so, and of course, we're coming into pea and broad bean season as well. Oh, so. yes, broad beans take a lot of uh, height. I that's found. right. Yes, I had them last year. I had a nice crop, but um, uh, they seem to be fragile. Well, they can be because they need a little bit of protection. They need to be staked up if you've just got them in an open area. So perhaps some peas might uh, help you along because with the peas, you can just grow them up a little frame. Um, peas and spinach, perhaps. Yeah, that sounds a great idea. And some onions. Yes. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right, May. Good to talk to you. Yeah, okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, May. It is good to hear all these success stories, mm. isn't it, David, when the rest of us are having such a terrible time? <laughs> yes, that's um, right. Okay, uh, Helen from Belmont North is next. Hi. Hello, Helen. Hello, David. Now, my husband's just been measuring the pot that I have this plant in. Yes. 500 diameter yes. by 400 high. Okay, yes. And mm-hmm. it's a ceramic pot okay. now. We have this plant in that, and it is massive. Now, it's got... You measured this, Ken, didn't you? Oh, there's a plane going over. <laughs> it's all happening out of Belmont Moors. Uh, yes. What is it? It's about three... He's measuring <laughs> this leaf. They're about 400 to 450 long. Did you hear that? Yes, I did, yes. Right. Now, uh, this plant would be over well and truly... 
50 years old. Oh, okay, yep. Yes. Now... Helen, can you tell me what the plant is? No, I have no idea. Oh, okay. This is the worst part of it. It was when the mother-in-law died and all the family, because I like gardening, they gave it to us. Oh, okay, okay. And we've had it. We've been here 30 years. Right. And we've still got it. It is lovely and it doesn't flower. It mm. never gets a flower on it. But one of the things I was thinking of doing is when we can get a chance to come over with the leaf. Oh, that was I was going to suggest that to you, yes. Yes. And then I've got another one out the front. I'm trying to get all the garden fixed up again. Mm. You know, we've had a, well, I've had a few hiccups. Okay. And uh, it's, it's one that I've had for years and years. Mm -hmm. And wherever we've lived, I've always brought a little piece of it with me. Okay. Now, it's got a white silvery leaf on it. And it does get a scotch a thistle flower oh, okay. on so it. So you want this identified as well, do you, yes, Helen? And I'd better bring a I think that's me. probably the best thing because yeah. I'd be stabbing yeah. in the dark here today. So if you can bring some samples over All to right. me to the nursery, that would be great. If I'm not there, just leave them and I can yes. always get back to you. Great. All oh, right. That sounds perfect. All right. Thanks, Helen. Good. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Helen. Oh, you've got your detective deer stalker hat on there, David. You... <laughs> Oh, you're good on this stuff. Okay, um, Nita from Merriweather is next at 22 minutes past one. Hello, Nita. Oh, oh good afternoon, David. David, it, I thought somebody might talk about the passion fruit, how vigorous they've grown. Yes. Can I cut it back? You can if you wanted to, yes. At this time of the year, I would only suggest to cut about a third of the growth off. Uh -huh. So that way it'll just bush out and give you a bit more growth before we go into the winter months. So, yep, certainly if you wanted to, just give it a little bit of a trim, but don't take too much of it away this time of the year. Well, if I take it off the bottom part... Yes. Because in my vegetable garden, and it's taking up a bit of room there... If I cut just the bottom ones off... Yeah, that's fine. And you mean just to leave the very top growth? Yes, because yeah. it, it, it is climbing along the fence. Okay, no, that's fine. If you wanted to do that just to take the lower growths off to let a bit more light through, certainly that's fine to do that and just leave the growth that's all up the top. But then in springtime of next season, it's probably going to be a good idea just to give it a little bit of a prune back. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nita. Bye. Bye. Yes, thank you, Nita. Um, just waiting for a call to come through here, David. We, we always seem to get a lot of calls about passion fruit. Yes. And, um, uh, and, you know, I was saying to a customer, I don't know whether it was this morning or yesterday, every second garden must have a passion fruit vine in that it. that must be right. Why do we yeah. pay so much for passion fruit? <laughs> it's just unbelievable because, I mean, everyone's got a passion fruit. You would think... You know, it would be so easy to purchase them at a more reasonable price, but yeah, maybe, can't work that out. Maybe it's people like me who are the passion fruit poor. Oh, okay. Um, that, that they do these <laughs> things for. Okay, David, um, the call has come through now. It's from Helen at Smith's Lake. Hello, Helen. Hello, David. Um, I normally ask you about my garden, but I want to ask you something about my daughter's who lives in Canberra. Very good. Um, she has two large apricot trees. Mm -hmm. Very nice, very healthy, and they bear very well. But when she picks the fruit, of which there are kilos and kilos of it, they go soft very quickly, like mm -hmm. almost overnight. Is okay. that 
something she's not doing right or... Look, I really don't, I don't think it is. I think it's just something characteristic of where they're being grown um, and the conditions which they're in. I mean, I, I don't know of any reason why they would do that. Certainly, you've probably heard me mention before, to, particularly for things that fruit, it's often a good idea just to get some potash in the ground prior to the fruiting because that helps the quality of the fruit. Yeah. So perhaps you could recommend to her during the winter months uh, over there is just to put some potash around them so it goes down into the soil ready to be taken up for the spring summer months when they would fruit but I've not heard of any reason why they would go soft as soon as you pick them no, no mm. it's strange Some, very unusual yes very disappointing you know when yes. you get so many anyway I'll tell her that All right. see if that helps a bit thank very you very good thanks Helen okay. bye, bye bye thank you Helen yeah I've, I've got a daughter who lives in Canberra too and yes. and um uh, well, there's a total difference in the uh, in the growing environment between because it's uh, a lot later in Canberra because their right. winters so long, yep. so therefore they've only got that brief window mm. in the in the summer period to grow things. Yeah. So whether that has something to do with the fruiting, but I wouldn't think so for something like that. No, so. no, but um, I mean, Ellie, being my daughter, is yes. growing natives down there. Oh, of and, course, uh, still, yes. the the, uh, the <laughs> difference in in the natives. Uh, I I really can't help it very much because I know sort of natives yes. from around these regions, but you know they they get so many nights that are frosty. Yeah, they, exactly. they get snow on the ground sometimes, and then their summers are hot and dry. Mm. So yeah, very very different. Um, Okay, David, it's 26 minutes past one, um, and we've got Gail from Brankston on the line. She's our last caller for today. Hello, Gail. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, look, I'd like some tips on growing asparagus, please. Yes. I planted five uh, crowns about six months ago, and I know it's very, very long time before it's going to produce, mm -hmm. but do I still need to cut the actual asparagus fern down each time it... Um, sort of gets out of hand? Well, yes. Well, I mean, with asparagus, they will actually die back to their crowns during the winter months, so therefore right. then all of the growth is actually cut off the plants. So you're left just with a bare garden. Uh -huh. And during the winter time, you mulch the garden with some straw or some sugar cane or something like that that's really, really heavy, and that just keeps them protected during the winter months, and then they start to spring up again in spring. I now, see. look, certainly the other thing with um, asparagus, they love being in hilled gardens. So they like being well above the existing soil level. And that's why you often see them in hilled gardens because they love exceptional drainage. Yes, I've actually got these in pots. Oh, okay, okay, yes, yes right. But uh, the ferns itself, they, they sort of grow at least, um, you know, 30 to 35 <laughs> centimetres high and therefore I've been snipping them off all the time. Yeah, look, that's and fine. And I wasn't sure whether I was doing the right thing. As long as you've got some growth on the asparagus throughout the season, that's fine, but you can actually cut uh, odd branches off if you wanted to. I see. That's fine. It's just difficult to get some information on growing asparagus. It is. I mean, because it's not a product that's or vegetable that's grown extensively. And, of course, when you grow asparagus, you don't just grow one plant. You've got to grow quite a few to actually get a reasonable crop off them. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for that. My pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Gail. Maybe I should have a cut asparagus, asparagus? In, in pots. I'm, I like asparagus. Yes. I've never thought of growing it in pots. Yep, mm. yep. Okay.
see how I go. Um, David, one final question. Can Gina spray Roundup on weeds near her herbs and veggies? The weeds are runners. Okay. Well, look, once again, you can spray a weed spray. We only, of course, you use Zero or Roundup or Glyphosate. Now, remember when I mentioned those three names, they are all the one product, but they come under different labels. So you can spray the Zero, Roundup or Glyphosate around anything because it only affects whatever you spray that particular product onto i would be extremely careful around vegetables i would normally want to probably weed that hand weed that myself but Mm. certainly if you wanted to try a product that would be the one to use and of course you'd need to be very careful about uh, drifting 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 onto your vegetables and you would have no way of knowing whether that Mm. is drifting onto the vegetables enough you'd have to be extremely careful the only other way you could apply it of course is just by a little paintbrush and just brush it on very very lightly but yes i would be very cautious about using it around that sounds wonderful david and we'll look forward to seeing you next monday thank you phil yes i'll be here and good gardening everyone